All right, Cash and Sport fam, we are back. I'm back. It's episode 10 of Olympics Talk with myself and Sanani. And we are officially 16 days, just 16 days away from the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympics in Japan. There's been a lot going on, a lot going on in, in the world yeah, of Olympics and the Olympics in the world of sport in the past couple of weeks. I mean, the past couple of days, Shikari Richardson, not going to the Olympics, failed a a, um, a drug test because she was found with marijuana in her system. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, there's the two Namibian athletes who were who were also removed. Um, they have a similar um, unnaturally high testosterone. Um, there was the New Zealand weightlifter athlete who is transgender but is now is going to the Olympics, and that's caused a lot of controversy but anyway there's um other things as well vips are allowed um at the olympics uh but yeah, no which, fans. which is a bit of a yeah, yeah no fans of the opening ceremony but the vips allowed which is an interesting one yeah. um it you know it goes to who, who's really who, who are the olympics for yeah. but uh, yeah that's that's been an interesting move for the yeah. ioc yeah but, and a nice um, one is, get... is yeah nursing moms are allowed as well um to uh to bring their children to tokyo um yeah but yeah. Then there's also been mudslides in japan you know and there's been covid breaking out everywhere you know i mean with with the south african teams um with the british and irish lions tour now up in up in smoke a little yeah bit. we don't know what's I'm gonna so, happen so i'm sure the isc are looking at this going oh you know this yeah. is this, this is on a small scale in terms of British and Irish Lions and the I and the Olympics on a bigger scale, more extrapolated. So I can imagine someone is watching this at the IOC going, that's not a, that's not good for us. But, you know, and, and also just to put it out there, all the boxers uh, are vaccinated and the local teams. So yeah. vaccination is not an issue. Everyone's vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that COVID does spread even if you are vaccinated. Um, that's what we're talking about today, 16 days away from the start of the Olympics. And um, we are also mainly looking at the money around the Olympics, sponsors, um, how the IOC is funded, what they use that money for, you know, broadcast revenue, and uh, just the general money side around this big behemoth that is the Olympics. And um, yeah. to start it off with, um, Let's take a look at the the funding model of of the IOC itself. Um, the IOC is a is a well, it's a privately funded organization, right? Um, so let's take a look at it. Where does the money actually come from? Yeah. So so just to just to start off with, yeah. I absolutely love this topic and the money around the Olympics is really going to fundamentally change within the next few years. And yeah. I say that because. We've seen the NCAA, you know, say that the athletes can earn money uh, yeah. for their likability, their marketability. And, yeah. and we're moving towards a, a, a time that athletes are going to be like, hang on, we're making you money. And yeah. what's our cut in this? Yes, yeah. money does flow back to the athletes through their NOCs and stuff. And we'll chat about that just now. But yeah. this is really going to be in common interesting topics as the years go on. And, yeah. and what I've always found interesting, and, and I'll, I'll now read it word for word, is that the IOC is a non-profit organization yeah. dedicated to using the revenue generated from the Olympic Games to assist yeah. athletes and development of sport worldwide. 
yeah. as a result, every day the IOC distributes about 3.4 million US dollars around yeah. the world to help the athletes and sports organization. Now, yeah, yeah this is the IOC really a nonprofit organization <laughs> on paper? On yes. paper, but yeah. that's that's a story for another day. But let's yeah, yeah let's look at the, the the funding model of the IOC. So the IOC IOC is privately funded, so they get yeah. a pool of money from different sponsors, and within the IOC you get your top tier sponsors. These are guys yeah. that sponsor the IOC specifically. So summer and winter games fall into that, yeah. and these are the guys that provide long term sponsorships uh, of of value in kind. And yeah. also of of money, of money, cash. Yeah. So let's just yeah. take a look at some of those sponsors. We've got likes of Alibaba, big yeah. Chinese e-commerce. You've got the likes of Bridgestone, the likes yeah. of uh, Coca-Cola, uh, yeah. Dow, General yeah. Electric, uh, Procter and Gambler, Atos, yeah. the French um, French IT company. Yeah. You you've got a whole list of companies providing funds to the IOC, and I mean yeah. the longest standing one there, you know, household name Coca-Cola. So yeah. all these sponsors cover a variety of things. They support the IOC in terms of all year round. Um, they support a variety of things. And they, as, as I say, they give cash and they also give value in kind, which is where a lot of the, the additional money comes from or the additional value comes from. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's uh, Olympic funding money that it comes predominantly from, from sponsors. Yeah. And then we look at the broadcast of it. Broadcast rights in the, around the IOC a yeah. lot of money yeah a lot of money yeah. and i think we we see it because you know uh fans want to watch the olympics so yeah. what do broadcasters do they go buy out they go buy the olympic olympic games from yeah. the ioc and that's where a lot of money is is generated yeah so we've got yeah so we've got broadcast we've got the partners we, we we've got also that other local organizing um sponsors which yeah. is like this year in in Japan, yeah. Tokyo will have sponsors. Yeah, and I think let's let's dive a little bit into that because yeah. because if you are a beer sponsor in Tokyo this year, not a lot yeah. of people are drinking your beer because there's no there's no big fanfares, there's no big stadiums. Yes, there are the big stadiums, but there's you know at fifty percent capacity. Yeah, so with 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 these local sponsors, I mean, more than sixty Japanese companies together paid a record of more than uh, three billion to sponsor uh, Tokyo twenty twenty. It then got cancelled, and then the sponsors had to pay another two hundred million to extend their contracts after the games were delayed a year. So already they've paid well three point two billion with in terms of local sponsors yeah. alone. Um, but as yeah. you say, they're not going to get the full value because they're not going to be fans. For instance, Asahi, which is the official beer partner, was supposed to have rights to sell beer, wine, and non-alcoholic uh, non uh, beer at the stadiums. But because it's not going to be yeah. fans, they can't do that. Toyota, yeah. which was the big Japanese um, um, uh, motor manufacturer, was supposed to have the rights to shuttle uh, VIPs and, and athletes um, to and from stadiums in their new cars with this new technology, with uh, electric vehicles and so on and so on. Can't do that. Um, and it's the yeah. same. They'll be able to do that because the athletes are still there. They'll do that. Yeah, the athletes are still the there. But, but, the, but... The, the larger group, which, is, which probably would have been much more important, would be the VIPs. Uh, the, the guys who yeah. really have the money to to 
to make these purchases and and so on and so on not going to be there they've they've rolled out the ads which we've all seen the the toyota ads with this new thing that this new car that talks to you etc etc but you know it's it's just not as it won't be as impactful as if if you had thousands and thousands of fans in the stadium um and people attending i I think this is this is yeah, this is where it also forces now sponsor to get clever on the digital side. So your ads, your digital execution, how do you yeah. touch the global audience that's not at in Japan? So that's yeah. that's on marketing managers, marketing execs within these companies now to say, okay, we paid for X and Y rights and yeah. now they're changing. And that's apparently, you know, reports are saying that's been one of um top of meetings at the IOC to go what additional rights can we give our sponsors in terms of the digital space because no you know IOC has always held all their rights to the specific contracts quite tightly but now I'm sure this has to be a room of flexibility but let's let's just touch on the cost of let's say now Tokyo Tokyo Olympic Games yeah they have ballooned to 15 projected at 15 billion billion of the B yeah, with US a B. Yeah. Dot, with a B. 15 yeah. billion US dollars. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the costs of are, that are is a astronomical. Lot of money. The costs are astronomical. I mean, if we look at the the previous Olympics, right? And just, just to give people an idea of what the previous Olympics have cost, uh, Barcelona uh, 92 cost 9.6 billion. That was the Summer Olympics. Atlanta, um, 96, 4.1 billion. Sydney, 5 billion. Um, Athens in 2004, 2.9 billion. Beijing, 6.8 billion. London was expensive, 14.6 billion, right? But you had the full benefit, fans everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. Rio, yeah. much, much less, 4.5 billion. Now, you're jumping up to 15. This is going to be the most expensive Olympics ever. $15 billion, yeah. $15 billion. That's an, that's an outstanding, that's, that's an outrageous amount yeah. of money. And, and, and we get it, like there's COVID testing, there's yeah. bubbles, there's now, that's why the cost of ballooned. Yes, it's an yeah. additional year of, of everything, but the cost of bubbles around the COVID-19 protocol, can this become sustainable? Yeah. The, the, these, these costs are gonna to continue to escalate. So yeah. um, just a, a disclaimer, if you are listening to this on Spotify, we implore you to watch the video of yeah. um, Cash and Sports this week. We have got a lot, lot of diagrams and a lot, lot of images that we've inserted just to show the projections of the yeah. money and the graphs. So yeah. uh, Nabs, one thing when we were discussing just now about, about the cost of the Olympics is also the, the escalation of what was budgeted and projected to yeah. what the co- the games end up being. I think yeah. we also need to look at that. So, because some games run 40% over, yeah. uh, 50% over. Um, I think the highest was, uh, was it Sochi Winter Winter Olympic Games that ran yeah. like 300% over. Yeah, so, 289%. Yeah. You yeah, know, I, I mean, even the even the the Rio games were 51 percent over. Almost all of the games always run over budget. I mean, London seventy six percent over. Uh, Van, um, Beijing was Beijing was almost on budget, just two percent over what they projected. So it's we we, we yeah, it's we'll we'll take a look and 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 give you guys the figure as well for what um, Tokyo is projected to be over by. But 
the, the money is, is astronomical. It, it, it really is yeah. astronomical. So imagine you, any manager and running these budgets, you're getting fired, man. If you are 300, 300% over budget, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be accountable to someone. And, yeah. and it's just, you know, I laugh, but it's actually, it's not funny because every single Olympic game, summer, winter, it just yeah. progressively gets more and more and more and more. And, yeah. and, and I think it's worth noting that um, IOC hosts the games, you know, you host it with the host city, and yeah. then IOC move on to the next games. Yeah. No Olympics pays off the, the month they owe in that yeah. year. So I remember it was a couple of years ago, Athens was in 2004, yeah. and I think it was only 10 years later that they fully closed off the books. That yeah. is a huge burden to any host city. Yeah, but if, if we look at it, if, if we ask the question, okay, so what does the IOC themselves, what, what do they contribute towards these budgets? <laughs> you, you would be surprised. It, they, yeah, the, it's, it's nowhere near what, what comes out in the end. For instance, in, um, in Athens 2004, their contribution was 965 million, right? The total cost of the, of the event itself, the, the total amount, uh, was 2.94 billion they contributed 900 million right yeah. um so and it it goes all the way up to rio 2016 they contributed 1.5 billion the total cost of the of the games themselves was uh, a total of 4.58 billion so they contribute yeah they, they contribute just roughly what a third of the total cost and then the local uh, the sponsors contribute and the local organizing committee has to has to fit basically the rest of the bill um, the rest of the bill yeah, yeah. this is and, why governments look at that amount and go oh we can't do that you know yeah um, yeah and, and it leaves always, you with a whole bunch of white elephants you know you exactly leaves you with a bunch of white elephants look at rio um you know their stadiums are languishing they don't know what to do with them it's the same thing with athens um you know it's it's does it actually work does the model actually work and is it worth actually mm -hmm. saying this thing is a global event spread it out amongst um a number of cities hosting different events and different cities at the yeah. same time and spread the load and allow more people to be to be um you know involved or more countries to be involved at a cheaper rate you know i mean even this yeah. Um, Olympics here, they're trying to make it the most efficient um, in terms of, um, you know, how they they run the games, but still 15 billion is 15 billion. You can't get away from that number, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and this this also comes into question when you, or comes into play when you question, why hasn't Africa had an Olympic Games? Come on, yeah. guys. Like, which African country has got 15 billion years? Exactly. You know, right exactly. now. And, and also with our problems, I always go, I'm an Olympian. I would yeah. love to have Olympics in Africa, but yeah. with the problems facing Africa right now, yeah. eh, I don't know. Like even, even Commonwealth Games, which is on a smaller scale, I'm yeah. going, it's just such a financial burden to that yeah. host city, to that government. It would be great though so if, it, yeah, it would be great yeah. though, imagine if, if, if we have one Africa Olympics um, with, with, different events taking place across the continent. Logistically, yeah. it would be a bit of a nightmare to try and put that together, but it would be cheaper and it would make 
probably more sense. But, but look, if you if you know that you're athletics, you're in Egypt. Yeah. Um, you know, spread or athletics in South Africa. Yeah. Um, call it swimming in another country. You know, then as an athlete, you're based in that country. Yes. Yeah. It it dilutes you being one Olympic movement, one. Um, but it just spreads the cost. It, yeah. it really just spreads smaller Olympic villages. Um, yeah. Yes, the branding around Olympic villages, those kind of things. It's it's more, but it's yeah. smaller villages. It's it's less cost. We, you know, it's an interesting model. I, yeah. I don't think we could write it off totally. It's an interesting model and yeah. something with maybe IOC having a look at for the sustainability of the games because that's going to come into question in the next yeah. couple of years. You, yeah. You're going to get I believe you're going to get a voice from the athletes going we want to share the pie and yeah. also then we're going to get a voice from the host cities going hang on ioc you guys need to help us more with yeah. the sustainability models and they are there there's there's definitely plans future plans uh for ioc legacy programs in each host city but yeah. they need to be more i know they need to do more because what we saw what we the images that we're seeing out of rio of the white elephant stadiums it's, it's just disheartening man you you, you yeah. think about how much fun you know the rio games or what how much fun was had there yeah yeah so so let's it's a, do a bit of a recap right so the isc is yeah. privately funded right 73 percent of the money that that they receive comes from broadcast rights 18 percent from the um, Olympic uh, partners or sponsors program, which is Toyota yeah. and all of those com um, companies that we mentioned. 5% um, comes from other revenues and 4% from other rights. That money is then used in this way. 90% of it goes towards um, hosting the Olympic games and athlete development. Within that amount, zero goes towards paying well, remember we spoke about Rule 40 a few weeks ago. Rule 40 should kick yeah. in in about in about two days' time because I will be 14. Well, two weeks away days. from the Olymp uh, yeah, yeah, two weeks away from the Olympics, and athletes won't be able to earn anything. There will there'll be no sponsors sponsorship branding. You, I mean, you were at the Olympics. You can't wear your sponsor's yeah. kit. You can't, you know. So they they're gonna have to figure that out going forward with the NCAA uh, ruling and so on and so on, they're going to have to figure out how some of that component, you know, if, even if it doesn't yeah. go to the athletes directly, but they allow for more branding and sponsorship so that these sponsors actually get full value for, for what they're doing. Yeah. But yeah. one thing we've got to emphasize is that some of the money also goes to the NOCs the yeah. in each country. So the national Olympic committee, yeah. and some of it goes to the federations of the different sports. So yeah. there's there's money in that regard, but yeah. I think where it's going to come into play is should you know be should, should the Olympics be a meet with cash prize attached to it, like yeah. the U.S. Open, like yeah. like uh, you know the 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 relay games around the world. Anything yeah. should it be a money or should we keep it non-profit earnings? So these are the kind of questions that will definitely come into play because athletes understand that they make bodies they make uh yeah broadcasters they, they are the product money. they make yeah they are the product yeah they definitely are the product and we're seeing the athlete voice become louder and louder and rightly yeah. so so yeah. let's watch the space i guess yeah it's it it can only become a a much bigger conversation um but let's let's take a look at one last thing before before we wrap this conversation up um 
the money that they get from broadcasting rights um, or, or, or the, the broadcasting fees that, that are that are collected yeah. from, from Olympics are massive. I mean, if we look yeah. at just the number of people who are watching in terms of the global audience is gigantic for an Olympics. Um, in 2012, the global audience was 3.6 billion people. Um, in 2016, 3.2 billion people. This year, we assume it's going to be higher because people are sitting at home. They don't have, you know, with, with lockdowns and so on and so on, a lot more people are at home so they can watch the games. So we're assuming that yeah. we're going to get close to 4 billion people watching, uh, watching Olympic Games. And the money behind it, which these broadcasters pay, is absolutely astronomical. I mean, um, in, in 20, uh, between 2013 and 2016, there was 4.157 billion, right, that was received, uh, that was paid to the, to the IOC from broadcast revenue. Um, yeah. in, in between 2009 and two, 2012, it was 3.85. It steadily increased. So it's heading yeah. towards four and a half, towards five billion, um, you know. And there's there's a number of different broadcasters. Obviously, they they buy the rights and they put the con the the content out, but they have yeah. to buy the rights Super from Sport. yeah, SuperSport yeah. and 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 the rest of them, and they buy the rights from the IOC. So the IOC completely benefits hugely, regardless of yeah. what's what's so, happened. Yeah. Yeah, so the RC has done quite a nice model. They have what is called the Olympic Sport Casting Services. So these yeah. are the guys that are responsible for bringing uh, the Olympics to life on media, basically. Yeah. So to protect everything of, of rights around that space, they're going, we'll do all the fees, all the media, we'll just syndicate it to the different yeah. broadcasters. So yeah. broadcasters really pay a lot of money. I mean, you've got the American guys, you know, that pay play a lot of money uk yeah. uh, you know different broadcasting houses in the uk super sport is a big player there sabc yeah. will buy the rights as well yeah. um you know we'll have olympic rights so a lot of the global reach is quite big and that's what isc wants to do basically is make yeah. sure they've got a wide you know it's wide and it's deep um and 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 a, a bigger global reach so as we as we say the numbers are probably going to be high um but also high but maybe shorter because we know that you know attention spans of people and also the time difference comes into play with, with japan so yeah. it will be interesting but that that is where the bulk of the ioc money is made from broadcast right and that's why you can understand why these guys are pushing on you know yeah. even without without <laughs> without fans in the stadium they're going no our, the you know the model is that our games will go out live to yeah. billions of people and that's what we we they're looking for that global reach. So even yeah. without fans, these they'll still make money. Yeah, yeah. I, it's 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 going to be an uh, a very interesting one to see what the fallout looks like and what France looks like in uh, what is it twenty twenty four. You know, Great. there's yeah, there's there's a lot going on in terms of discussions around um, just the funding, the 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 way that sponsors can actually leverage off of their off of their athletes and their assets um, and just how this this age old tradition of the Olympics needs to change and come into the modern age, because 
really it's it's stuck a bit in the dark ages if you if you look at it as a as an institution and and in the way that they work it's worked for them prior previously but i don't see how it can it can continue to work in the long term and cost um local organizing committees so much money yeah without them getting real value um you know and and without the 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 athletes earning from it you know that that ncaa ruling is so pivotal and it will it will it will cascade down through the olympics through other sports in general you know where you'll see kids earning big money from 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 their their careers and rightfully so as they should because i mean athletes careers are short you know 35 yeah. years old you you're mm-hmm. done 30 years old you're done so yeah so just one last point for, for on that is that uh, on on sponsors and money i'm going to be very interested to see mm. where all the merchandise goes you know there's merchandise that was made for these olympics yeah one with 2020 on them so the logo is staying the same that's not changing but yeah. there's this all this ticketing and and licensing apparel merchandise caps this yeah. Because the Japanese locals can only buy so much of it. Correct. Usually it was made for the international fans coming in. You'd buy a towel, you'd buy mugs, yeah. you'd buy this memorabilia. This is going to be a big black dark hole in Japan where, where all of the stuff has to go to because no one's going to buy nearly. Yeah. Anywhere near as much as, as, how as much, would have been bought before. Exactly. So th- that's a your big money money lost there yeah well they they have to figure it out um but at the end of the day that's where we are 16 days away um you know we we're going to start seeing a little bit more of um you know of the action really really hotting up um qualification is basically done for for most if not all of the all athletes sports. for all yeah. sports um and we we're we're here um Squads are announced, um, and yeah, we're here. We are four, 16 days away, just over two weeks away from the beginning of the Olympics. Thank you so much for joining us, guys, in episode 10 of Olympics Talk with myself and Sanani. Um, smash the like button, follow us on Twitter, um, and yeah, check out the website if you'd like to take a look at the previous content that we've had. Check us out on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, any podcast platform, Google Podcasts, and you'll find all our content there. Don't forget to like and subscribe, comment. Let us know what you'd, what you'd like us to discuss. Uh, we're going to take a look at the Olympics and discuss individual talking points as the games go ahead. So, yeah, stay tuned and thank you so much for, for watching. Cheers. Welcome to another episode of Catch and Sports, 10 days away from the opening ceremony in Tokyo. Exciting news, exciting times. We've seen some athletes leave for uh, for Tokyo already. Um, some are obviously delaying their departure, getting the, a bit later to when they're performing. But it's that, it's that time now, within the 10-day mark, athletes starts leaving the preparation, they start filling up the village. So Catch and Sports will bring you all those news. 
all the medal hopefuls, all the medal winners, and also watch out in the week for a cash and sport detailed schedule of all the South African athletes that will be competing at the Games, which is quite exciting. We'll convert it to South African time and make sure you do not miss out on any single South African athlete. Today, we've got a special guest. Uh, we've uh, taking a look at things from a different perspective, different point of view. Someone who's watched a lot of sport in his life, a lot of Olympic sport as well. Uh, we've got Manfred Sedler. Manfred, how are you doing? Hey, Sonani, I'm good. Thanks, how are you? Good, thank you. Am I, am I putting it mildly when I say you've watched a bit of sports and followed the Olympics? Uh, how many have you actually covered? I've covered the last three. So, 08, 12 and 16. 12. Um, and yeah. I've covered the Commonwealth Games since 06. Um, nice. I, I'm one of the fortunate people who get paid to do a hobby when I get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, when you get paid. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a good hobby to have. And I think the athletes are forever grateful for actually uh, journalists who pick up a, a something like covering the Olympic sports because it's such a niche thing to do. You've got your football journalists, you've got your rugby journalists in South Africa and your cricket journalists where you put when you you know, a wide spectrum journalist like you are and pick up on Olympic sports, it's it's actually quite fruitful and beneficial. And as a former athlete, thank you very much. But like, let's dive into a bit of a background with you. Um, journalist, PR consultant, but uh, where does it, how does Manfred describe himself to, to someone at a bar? <laughs> cool, okay. Um, well, at present, I call myself a media consultant in sports with my biggest focus being on athletics, but obviously the Olympic sporting codes as well. Um, I have done everything from, I got involved in, in sports marketing, media and PR back in 94 and was headhunted in 98 by a production company to work on then athletics and then uh, also an, an endurance sport, sports show called World of Endurance. So it wasn't just yeah. athletics, it was, it was road running, it was trail running, it was open water kayaking, it was adventure racing, it, it was a real adventure, I'm not going to lie. It was absolutely amazing to go into the mountains and watch how people put their bodies on the line. It was, was good fun. Um, but yeah, I've been um, in, in the industry basically since 94. And over the years, it just gradually evolved from PR marketing into a broadcaster into um, somebody who has knowledge and, and expertise in, in all media areas um, pertaining nice. to... Olympic sports and, and predominantly in the sport of athletics. Nice, yeah. So completely, yeah. Well versed across the the spectrum, which is which is quite good. So speaking of PR and consulting, I think let's just dive into it, man. Um, something that's been topical this week, and which I forwarded to to Nabs to read in the week. Uh, we've got we in a call it a, a nice area of media uh, and and non-sporting people get involved in sport. And what we get out of that is the situation currently with, with WADA, with athletes, you know, should athletes be banned for cannabis, should they not? And it's kind of like, hang on guys, you guys have just arrived to the party. What do you know, you know, you know to people who don't know the sports? And I think an example of that is the, we saw the WADA letter. WADA replied quite firmly and quite directly to, um, to the US Senate to say, guys, this is not how things are done. And basically, you know, this is this is a procedure to this. What did you think about that letter? Because I thought it was quite for for you know, it was quite stern and quite direct. It it was a diplomatic punch to the throat, to be blunt. Um, 
the, basically what I turned around and said to the US Senate, go and do your homework. Um, yeah. and, and we're obviously referring now to the, the Shakari Richardson incident where she tested positive for cannabis. And sure. again, just why is cannabis on the banned list? Um, well, what, uh, why don't what Anti-Doping Association, AIU, Athletes Integrity Unit, look at doping in, in three elements. One is it performance enhancing, is it goes again, does it go against the grain of the sport? And then obviously, yeah. is it um, a danger to you as the athlete? And cannabis fits two of those. So it falls into that. That's why it's a banned substance. And in a nutshell, that's the easiest way of explaining it. Um, the, I, just, I just feel that the, um, the US senators jumped on the bandwagon and saw a great yeah. PR opportunity. And like, how oh, dare you touch our girl? And so, because let's be honest, she she is fantastic. I mean, she's got she's got immense talent. She's super fast. She's great for the sport, yeah. from the sport, but also just how she carries herself, the way she dresses, yeah. statements she makes. It's Usain Bolt all over again. Now she's yeah. just got to deliver on that sort of thing. And and the sport of athletics needs it. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, for sure. And of course, the the, the, the U.S. Um, Senate jumps on the bandwagon and said, "But cannabis is legal on various states." I'm not going. This is typical Americanism. Isn't yeah. Like, everything revolves around America. There are borders, but they don't exist. And it's like, yeah, the, so. the world is bigger than America. Just exactly. Tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, in a nutshell, what Athletics, uh, sorry, what I basically did was turn around and said, stay in your lane. And quite rightly so. And, yeah. and I quite like yeah. the fact that they invited the, the Senate saying, look, you've got people on our body, you know, get involved. And I quite like the fact that they said, get involved and, and now the now the ball's in their court but yeah in a nutshell i think the olympics are poorer for the fact that shakari richardson is not there it would be a fantastic matchup against in particular the jamaican woman who are absolutely on fire yeah um and of course there's a there's the the value add from everything around it who she is uh, as a personality that that is now missing so um, but yeah, look, it, it was the right decision. There was only one decision to make. And, and I think what I handled it for once actually handled things very well. Yeah, I think, I think for, for the betterment of sport, and I know we think, you know, there's, there's rules for a reason and we've got to stick to them. If, if anything, you, you're right and you scrutinize the actual, then you start at the bottom, you know, go through the right channels to go hang on, let's, let us try to understand why is cannabis on the list. But I think it's been there for years. Athletes know better. She knows better. She even said in her first interview afterwards, you know, she should she knows better. And I think that's, that was quite stern. And, and kudos to US Athletics, who was like, our policy is X. You know, she does finish the ban within the month. She could, you know, run the four by 100, but this is what our policy states. And this is why she's not selected. Well, US, US, USA Athletics actually came under some severe flack recently because of another doping case. And I know we're digressing a bit, but it's interesting yeah. how this case, they towed the, the party line. But before yeah. the trials, there was the Shelby Houlihan incident who ate a burrito, which yes. was had uh, uh, testo uh, testosterone-infected pork in it, and she tested through the roof. I mean, that's yeah. not a cop-up, and I don't know what is. But... Yeah. How USATF might just turn around and say, no, no, she can run because it's under appeal. No. The Athletes Integrity Unit said, no, you can't run. End of story. And USATF had to be wrapped, wrapped over the knuckles about it. So it's almost a bit of double standards. And I do understand why a lot of people, particularly in, in uh, US athletics, were going like, 
hey, you're going that way. But yeah, you know, it, but too on this one, time. you went that way. Correct. Yeah. Um, and I, and, um, but they had no choice but to ban Shakari, and it was the right decision. But how they handled the Shelby Houlihan case was an absolute joke and an absolute fuss. And I mean, there was there was a whole bunch of, of, of um, if you followed it on Twitter, there was a lot of, of, of uh, it, it became a racist issue, and it was. You know, yeah. in my opinion, it was. Yeah. Here's Shelby Houlihan, the poster girl of, of USATF. Yeah. It's Cheetah Gloves, Shakari Richardson, the, the bad girl. To the letter of the law. And I know I'm simplifying things and so on, but, but that's pretty much what it boiled down to. So in the, in the Shakri case, they got it right. In the Shelby Hooligan case, they got wrapped over the knuckles by WADA and AIU and quite rightly yeah. so. So now they, they too have been uh, needed to be, you know, had a whip cracked over them. So quite interesting. With, with that, Manfred, you-, um, you know, I think that kind of segues nicely into, into, into something that we, we wanted to touch on as well with regards to these athletes who are, kind of seeing their, their careers being, um, you know, being stopped uh, in interesting circumstances. Um, I mean, there's been a very big question around the, the balance uh, in terms of how they, how WADA or World Athletics are implementing the rules. Um, I mean, we've, we've got the two Namibian athletes who were kind of removed from the list, but then there wasn't really an explanation upfront as to what's happening. And then, you know, well, I mean, it was the naturally high testosterone issue. Um, and then before that, a couple of weeks before that, there was the um, New Zealand uh, weightlifting athlete. Um, yeah. You know, and, and obviously that's a, that's a transgender issue. We don't really want to get into the, into the science-y stuff, but what do you think about the way that WADA in, in, in themselves and World Athletics have communicated around their reasoning um, how they get to those reasons and why, you know, it's, it, it does kind of, especially looking at your example that you cited now with Shakari Richardson, it, it kind of smacks of like, there's some serious bias, which is going here. And, you know, there's no real explanation as to why. I think from the word get, uh, even, I mean, the minute the word DSD came out, the minute Casa Semenya took this issue to two world athletics and then to the various courts that you could take yeah. it to, the entire process has been handled abysmally by everyone involved. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, no, nobody's been uh, good at, at PR in this instance. Um, world athletics basically defined that any athlete between the 400 meters and the, and the mile in the, woman, in the women's race who was identified with DSD could not run because of this advantage that they have scientifically proven. I believe that's the science aside to the Ross Tuckers and so on, but that's their start. Yeah. How they presented those facts was abysmal. Um, the, the entire case, I mean, Custis and Minnie became the poster child for this entire debacle. Mm. We should never even have ever, ever known about this. I'm sorry, that's, mm. that's, that's a yeah. decline privilege. Yeah. And it was basically what happened in 2009 when she, when she did so well at the World Championships as a teenager, then IWF, now World Athletics, somebody on that, in that institution leaked this information to the Australian press. The Australian press jumped on the bandwagon. South Africans are going like, oh, the Aussies, the Aussies, and nothing to do with that. Um, yeah. But this just, it, so basically I say, from the word get-go, this entire process was handled diabolically. Um, the conversations that have been in the public domain, we should never even have known. Never about. know. Yeah. 
are a whole host of athletes prior to Castasomania who have been by then IWF know all athletics told your testosterone levels are too high and we can debate until the cows come home the ethics around that uh, the science behind that and um, that's beyond my 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 ken my knowledge i'm not a, a sports scientist i'm a scientist by no means um yeah like i say well, that's as you said sonani to to us tuckers but the process has been a debacle um and i can completely understand why the continent of africa turns around and says world athletics you are racist and that's been thrown at sebastian co and his cronies because if you look at and the makeup of it's very British. It is very, yeah. very British. CEO is John Ridgeon, who uh, used to be uh, the CEO of, I think it was Fast Track, and an event, athletics event organizing company in the UK. Um, and just go and look at a lot of the people involved from SEBCO down to different committees and so on. They're very British and very European. Um, so the, the, the image, the look, the PR is not good. It's, it's not really good. not been happening. Um, the the two Namibian girls in question. Um, to be honest, I saw it coming, um, and I'm waiting for another athlete, an American athlete, to to suffer the same. Um, the the uh, Atingwu, the 800 meter girl, who demolished yes. Americans yes. at the trials. Yeah. I mean, she just destroyed them, and that was deja vu from 2009 World Athletics Champs, Casta Semenya. That was deja. Vu. Um, I'm going, I'm just waiting for it to come. I'm not insinuating anything, but I'm waiting um, yeah. because that just seems to fit the, the narrative, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about the ban is that it's from 400 meters to the mile and these girls are now running the 200 meters and mm. one of them ran at 22.3, I think it was the other day. I'm going, uh-oh, she's like knocking on finals territory. Yeah, um, yeah top five territory and now and that's not even that that's not even a strength yeah correct and now remember all athletics have turned around and said we're not limited to that 400 mile if we find that going forward in our research this advantage and i say advantage in adverted commas and, and again not my domain um if we find that in other events this advantage exists we're going to have to relook at the rules. and they said yeah. that quite categorically when they made that ruling which but affected Custer, Wambui, Neon yeah. Saba, and so on. It's problematic, um, Manfred, in that they they seem to find this evidence when it's convenient for them to find the evidence when someone starts winning. How is it that the entire time, oh no, it's been okay, you can run, but until you start winning and you, until you start shocking the world, then there's a problem. Before that, it's fine, you can run, you know? Yeah, I mean, and you're 100% correct, but I think the, the thing is that they will keep falling back on is, is the science. And the science says we didn't have enough data because this was okay. never invented properly until Casa Semenya, Wambui, and Yon Sitaba literally destroyed women's 800 field, meters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and whatever you believe is right or wrong, but that's the fact. They were untouchable. Yeah. And they have been affected by this. Neon Saba has gone on to qualify for both the 5,000 and the 10,000 at the Olympics. Mm. Um, she's not in medal contention. So, but already there's going to be, I think there'll already be the, okay, let's watch it. Um, so this, this, this barrier, this border of 400 meters to the mile, it's going to grow. I, I just, I mean, the, the World Athletics did turn around and say, we don't have enough data to go beyond this. 
but obviously but as they'll these, be working uh, on it <laughs> correct um I, yeah look to back to your original question the pr around it has been shocking the way it's been handled has been yeah. shocking the way it's medicinally handled it handled is shocking um and, and the poor athletes man i don't know i don't know the answer i don't know what is the right thing to do i'll be very yeah. honest with you and you, you turn around and you spoke about the transgender issue now we start now you start asking yourself how many so-called categories do we have yeah um and now you're moving into the realms of the paralympics where in the 100 meter final you're going to have four different categories and, and you know it is is that good for the sport is it bad for the sport is you know should we have different categories and yeah i mean this conversation could go on for yeah, it could it could go on for for a while. It, we could really dive into it, and we, we don't want to do that. But it is just for me. It's it's as I said earlier. It, it's there's also a human rights issue to it to, in terms of the athletes, us yeah. knowing too much about the athletes in terms of their medical records. And I think that was called whole Namibian athletics stance to all Namibian IOS um, and Noxa to say, yeah. you know, guys. You, you let us down, World Athletics, in that regard, to, to yeah. let out all the information onto the table. This is not what we agreed on. And I think, to your point, Manfred, the PR from the beginning has been bad. The yeah. understanding, the communication, what goes out to the media, what goes out and what doesn't. So interesting times ahead. I think we're going to have a lot more of these cases, a lot more questions around world, world athletics, or a lot more, as you say, as that category expands, as the data becomes more available. Yeah. a lot more debates to to go into but i think let's let's uh let's flick to tokyo and, and uh, look forward to that i have been personally very vocal and i'll tell you vocal in in my own circles and whatsapp groups and not understanding how athletes are not already there and 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 simply because i'll look at some of the south african athletes as i said there's a some having holding camps here the Box sevens left yesterday, so they'll be there. Uh, uh, the young uh, under twenty three uh, men's team football team they leave today. Hockey leaves on on Thursday. I'm a bit worried about two things. So why I would want to leave early is if you test positive on arrival, it gives you ten days to quarantine then or play around with. So I'd yeah. rather leave early to give myself the ten days to quarantine that side. And also current temperatures are between 30, 30 and 32% humidity. So what are you still doing in South Africa? Leave, go, go acclimatize. You know, I'm, I am so, you know, you know performance and medals are, are one on small margins. And I, I just don't get why whole of Team South Africa has left. But I mean, that's, that's another, you know, there's money involved. There's where they're going to stay. There's some athletes are only starting later, but... I believe any athletes that are starting on the 24th should have been out by now. I don't know. Am I, am I the only one who believes that? <laughs> in, a, in an ideal world, I would agree with you. Um, but I think we're not in an ideal world. And I don't. And I think we just, the rules have been rewritten. In fact, we don't yeah. know what the rules are. And, and that's, I think that's been the biggest obstacle of any, never mind federation, sporting event, anything that's got to do with mass participation with lots of people. It's, it's, I mean, we look at, at Euro now, full stadiums with masks and everything, but there was a vaccine rollout that was aggressively run. Tokyo has not done the vaccine rollout uh, uh, aggressively. Well, in fact, they've been yeah. 
and I know for us in South Africa, the numbers that they're experiencing are minuscule compared to the 22 odd thousand that we get in a day, they get 40 or, or 140 in a day. But for the Japanese government and the Tokyo residents, that's a big issue. So they're yeah. going, uh, sorry, we want to minimize the risk. You come in at the last minute, if you test positive, sorry, you, you're gone. Um, yeah. But yeah, look, in an ideal world, I'd agree with you. you you'd want them there earlier because as you say, it's cold here. It is hot and humid in, in Tokyo and it's going to get worse. Um, yeah. So climatization is, is, a, is a serious thing. So yeah. I, I just think that the rule book has been thrown out the window and people are making it up as they go along. I don't think yeah. anybody knows the right answer. But it's sad. I mean, the fans aren't going to be there. Um, because of this whole state of emergency situation. And um, yeah, the athletes are going to run to empty stadiums, which is, it's going to be strange. I've never seen it. <laughs> Obviously it's never happened, but it's going to be strange. And athletes are going to have to get themselves, you know, up. I mean, we've, we've seen it in, in football uh, where, where teams have fallen off because they just don't have the, the 12th man to, you know, 12th man to, to try and get them up there, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's a very valid point and it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, there's, there's two ways of looking at it. One is like, oh, this is going to be a horrible Olympics because there's no one there. The other is, um, and I was saying this to, to Lindsay Perry the other day, he's going as the triathlon coach. I'm like going, yeah. but you going to an Olympic Games in a pandemic, you are making history. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is probably not going to happen in our lifetimes again. So there's the mindset that needs to be looked at it from that point of view i think and and so mm-hmm. you'll be able to tell us a lot easier being or in more detail being a, a pro athlete who has competed at that level i mean you do say you know the stadium and the fans and so on and it does yeah. make a big difference but when you get there and and you are in a history making uh, event it, yeah surely from a, from a psychological point of view that's got to make you more hungry making most of it you've given that being yeah. giving this opportunity there's a lot of athletes that are going to Tokyo. This is their one and only shot, not just South Africa, but in general. Take Jail, the opportunity. Yeah. It's not a packed stadium, but you're an Olympian. Control the controllables. And as you say, and understanding that you went to 2020 Olympic Games in 2021 and were one of those 13,000 athletes to be able to do it for your country, for, your, you know, for yourself as well. It's quite special. So give the performance that you would give, you know, in front of a packed 20,000 stadium. Sorry, I also think that that, um, the way we know the Olympics is going to change forever after this. It's it's becoming a cost exercise too. Um, I mean, you you talk about your your handle, cash and sport. um, This this is a very big issue. Um, No longer will teams be able to stay there from the opening all the way to the closing. You come in, you do, and you go home. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how that affects the, the entire Olympic. Yeah. We, ch- we chatted about it last week. I mean, no one's got 15 billion uh, US dollars to, to fund into Olympics. And this is what this one is going to cost at the end, if not more. Yeah. But, you know, so Paris and LA might stomach that or roughly about between 12 and 15. But after that, I don't know who's got that money and which, which city won't be left um, short or left disadvantage by hosting the olympics yeah but I, I think let's 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 dive into the um the actual athletes themselves the stuff on the field you know we've talked about the politics and the stuff off the field um let's track and field right um so 
Athletics right now is in a very, very good space. There's a lot of records, track and field records being broken everywhere. Let's look at South Africa itself. Um, Manfred, who are you looking at as, as our medal hopefuls? Maybe let's say just generally, and maybe your speciality is more athletics, right? So track and field itself. Well, okay, just in a nutshell, I think the Rose squad, the, 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 um, yeah. the Cox, yeah. Cox Four. <laughs> that, that term is always is a tongue twist of I've, I've, <laughs> I've butchered it completely so many times. Um, so the Cox, Cox list, they do, I think I, I Cox do believe that they're in with a shot. I trust Roger Barrow. I mean, he said before yeah. 2012, watch these guys. And he was yeah. talking about the lightweight form. Look at they did. They came from behind smashed the gold medal the rugby sevens have to be a medal contender yeah geordie smith is out surfing so that's a big blow for us tatiana uh she is yeah yeah she's a definite medal contender i mean she's leading the rankings uh she's leading the rankings list um but then you start looking um you know wait for nikak is not a certainty four years ago you knew he was winning gold it was just a matter of the time i wouldn't say he's a favorite to win gold i say he's in in He's in with a shot of a medal. He's got to be a medal contender. You're not a world record holder and an Olympic champion and a two-time world champion without being that, even of coming back from injury. The Kani's in the shape of his life. Um, yeah. He recently ran, the, uh, he finished second the other night in, in Monaco. Yeah. I reckon he's got to be a medal contender. I think our four by one meter relay squad was a medal contender. I think we've now got challenges with Clarence Munoz not performing. Um, Thankfully, Sean Patuchetso uh, Maswangani is, is, is on fire. Um, He's on fire, yeah. It's another story. Gift, Gift, Totliso uh, Gift, Leo Klela is, is oh, he's had a fantastic season. Even though he hasn't mm-hmm. gone, he has gone sub 10 up here, hasn't done it in Europe, doesn't matter. He's been consistent 10 1, 10 1, 10 1. Um, and we could throw Wade into the mix, um, you know, and, and I think we should. Uh, I think we should use him in the four by one because. We've seen in the 200 meters how well he runs the bend, um, yeah. and that he is, that he is in good shape. And, and I think those four are huge contenders for a medal and possibly even a gold medal. But then we start scraping the barrel and we start looking around. There is no Custer, which was a banked medal. We've got a lot, number of newcomers. Just the fact that they're at the Olympics is, is a great achievement for them. Um, and then we look at uh, men's marathon. Uh, Stephen Mokoka, he was fifth in Doha at the World Champs two years ago. The same applies with to Gerda Stein and Yvette von Sale. I mean, uh, Gerda's in the shape of her life. Um, um, and you know, we know she's a fighter. Um, but when you throw in a couple of women who run 222, which is three minutes faster than what she runs, and yeah. if they churn out that pace, yeah. will she be able to go with her? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so a lot of question marks. I think, yeah. I think um, South Africans mustn't turn around and say we expect the same medal hall that we had in, in London or in Rio. It's not going to happen. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't think it's going to happen at all. Because, I mean, yeah. someone like Richard Murray has just come off uh, a hot op. It was a bit of a hot op he had, but he's going, though. He's fine. He's recovering. Um, Henry Schumann, I'm not sure where he is in terms of triathlon. He had yeah. double COVID at one stage. He got COVID twice. Um, who else? And we're looking at it's after that, yeah, as you say, yeah, it's not, looking, it's not looking too pretty. Yeah, it gets very yeah, difficult from there. Is, is, I mean, she just won a stage on the, what, which, uh, which tour is it? That the ladies, Giro, Giro di, yes. di Italia, the, the ladies, yeah. yeah. And she's always been a good contender. She's always been solid, but she's got no one to ride mm. with her. And unfortunately, 
cycling is a team sport. Yeah, yeah. But let's let's uh, let's let's you know tackle the the real the real cream of the crop there, right? Let's say hundred meters men. Um, who's your money on? Ooh, it's why it's, I'm going to say it's wide open. I'm going to say Trevor Bramell <laughs> is not going to win gold. He really? ran nine seconds. Okay. Okay. He ran nine seconds in the states. Yeah. And he finished in the abysmal fifth in Monaco. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Monaco. Um, but I mean, Ronnie Baker won that race against yeah. uh, Kani. Um, he's coming in, in good form. Uh, Fred Curley, the hundred, the four hundred meter runner. That yeah. went down to 100 and 200. He, he's in the mix. He's dangerous. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he's got a top five really. time this, this year, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's interesting. And, and then the, don't ride off uh, Andre de Grasse, the Canadian. So, you know, he's, uh, I think the men's race is wide open, which, I, which is why I say Akani's in with a very good shot of coming back with the yeah. medal. Uh, I wouldn't say he's, he's guaranteed medal, but I think, you know, he's, this is probably his best chance ever. All right. So we've, we've gone through the, the men's 100. Um, Akani's got a good chance. Um, there's a couple of guys from, from the US, Fred Curley's come down to the 100. So let's look at the women's uh, 100. Shelly Ann, Shakari's not going to be there. Um, yeah, which of the Jamaicans do you think is going to take it? Because it just looks like it's Jamaica right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think it's going to be party time in Jamaica. And this time it's going to be all the women. I mean, it's been men yeah. and women in the past. Uh, I think now it's just going to be obviously just going to be the woman. Yeah. Shelly Ann Fraser Price has to be the favorite for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. The interesting thing is that she is already operating on Tokyo time. So even though she's currently racing in Europe, yeah, she's operating on Tokyo time. Her day is structured as if it's 6 a.m. in Tokyo. Yeah. That's when she gets up in Europe. Oh, wow. Um, which is like 2 a.m. in the morning, something like in, in Europe. I mean, it's it, the seven-hour time zone so, difference. So, yeah. um, it is so hard to do. We, we tried to do that before Beijing, and, and it's yeah. not easy. But why is nobody else doing it? I mean, come on. It's... It, 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 I mean, you would think that you would do that, you know, just to get yourself yeah. ready. If you know you're only going to get there like a, a couple of days before. I mean, try and get yourself ready, you know. But anyway. You think the stuff is easy, as I'm saying. Yeah, you Olympians make yourselves. Sick. Okay, but no, I, I, I hear you. It's not, it's not so easy. But anyway, okay, cool. Yeah. So we've done the, the, the men's hundred, women's hundred. Yeah. Uh, Right, four hundred women's hurdles. Ah, <laughs> that's a mouth-watering prospect. So yeah, that uh, is exciting. I, 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 I don't know if, if either one of you watched the 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 uh, USA trials. Um, Qualifiers. Yeah, I, that race. Man, I mean, I still went back onto YouTube to go and relook at it, relook at it, relook at it. Yeah. It was amazing how uh, uh, Sydney McLaughlin does. Yeah. 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 Blew that away, and she has to be the favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, don't write off uh, uh, Delilah Mohammed. I mean, she, she she lost the world record to to Sydney McLaughlin. Um, yeah. She wasn't far behind her, and remember, she also had COVID, and she's also come back from an injury. Yeah. She might just be racing herself into shape, getting into shape, and at the right time, just being in, in the right shape. That yeah. she was, she was. A lot more tired than than McLaughlin was after the 400 hurdles, um, but you know she's a defending champion, so can't she's done it. Off, yeah, uh, you can't. And That's going to be such yeah. a prospect. 
Um, and then yeah. there's the, the Dutch girl, uh, uh, what's a Fem Femke Ball? Yeah, Femke Ball, yeah. Uh, mid 52s and 52 low. Yeah. Um, um, anybody, any one of those two make a mistake, she'll be there to pick up the pieces. Um, it's it's going to be really, really exciting. It's one of those races I can't wait for. I'm looking forward to looking that. Looking forward to that. The women's 15, 5, and 10 is going to be yeah. riveting because when her son has entered all three, yeah. and potentially she could come away with zero medals if she runs all three. And yeah. you would not think that, I mean, given the fact that she her world record was just recently broken, the 10,000. Mm. But I mean, she got carrots in the 1,500 from... from uh, as you mentioned, you've got to have faith. Faith can yeah. be gone. Um, yeah. And she destroyed her. I mean, that kick was like, yeah, oh, where did crazy. this come from? Where did yeah. this come from? That's exactly I was watching and I was like, whoo. Yeah, it was quick. So, so yeah, so the, I think the woman's 1,500 and the 5,000 and the 10,000 can be really interesting. I think I'm putting my money on Faith Kirby to win that 1,500. Yeah. If Sifan Hassan does all three, she's got, I mean, she's got a schedule that is, that is insane. And, and I think it'll cost her. Um, yeah. If she selects she'll either the 15 and the 5 or the 15 and the 10 or the 5 and the 10, I reckon she'll come back with two medals. Not yeah. necessarily gold. Um, Helen O'Berry and, and uh, uh, let, let us send a bit Gida in the 10,000 for my money um, are the two to look out for. Unless yeah. Sifan Hassan just focuses on the one. Um, yeah, and then in the 5,000 again, uh, you've got a Berry and then you've got... Uh, uh, um, but good after Siga, Siga as well, and she's also in the 1500, as is Laura Muir. Women's yeah. middle distance running is is, is exciting, it's, it's really, really, really so, yeah. yeah, it's these are gonna be great. Uh, Manfred, I think we've 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 kind of covered it all today, and you know, there's just so much to look forward to in Rio or in Tokyo. Um, the heat, the incessant heat, which which already is 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 doing crazy numbers in a pandemic, pandemic Olympics. Uh, we really look forward to it. Um, thanks so much for joining us today and, and getting getting us really stuck into the meat of, of athletics and, and Olympics in general. I mean, you're an all-rounder, you've covered it all. Um, you know, look out for Manfred on Twitter. Um, he's out there doing his thing on Twitter, always posting up, you know, highlights of, of everything. I mean, geez. Um, and yeah, follow us on Twitter as well. Catch us on the website. We'll see you again next week. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us.